Hello and welcome back to another episode of the IBC Podcast, where we sit down and dive deeper into our messages as well as talk about what's going on in the life of our church. Welcome back to the IBC Podcast. I am your host, Jared Landreth. I am the creative arts and worship minister here at IBC. And I am so excited to dive back into the book of Ezra one last time with my friend, Dr. Got that right, right off the bat. Dr. Aaron Fulbright. Uh, Aaron has uh, preached his last sermon during the interim. Uh, so Aaron, I just want to say on behalf of the church, thank you so much Thanks. for... Uh, for everything it. that you've done during this time. I know that it's been uh, quite a task balancing that as well as, oh yeah, you're the student pastor as well. Oh yeah, I um, So uh, I thank should probably you. go check up on them. I haven't seen it for right. about nine months. Right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, so thank you so much for all of the all of the work that you have put in in this time. Um, I, know that, I know that the church appreciates it and our staff appreciates it. Um, so thanks, man. Uh, before we dive into Ezra, we have a very important matter to discuss, and that consists of ice cream and the top three flavors of said ice cream. Do you have a top three prepared for us? Top three ice cream flavors? I think so. Um, before we before we dive deeper, we need to set some guidelines, actually, for this yeah, conversation. Yeah, that may have messed me up. You set so, guidelines. Okay, yeah. give me guidelines. So, so are we going to specify a certain flavor from a certain ice cream place are we are we including and also are we including things that go in the ice cream or just like flavor of ice cream you know what i mean i think they have to be i mean the way i've thought about it is like normal ice cream flavors so like you know, not picking. I don't have a title off my top of my head, but like how like Ben and Jerry's has like your random ice. Like like we're thinking like chocolate, vanilla, mm -hmm. strawberry. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. not some random. Okay, but I'm probably gonna say that and then maybe like screw that up and go against what I just said. But yeah, y'all can be the judge of that. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna judge you. Yeah. Especially when it comes to ice cream. I'm sure Twitter's gonna blow up. Yeah. Yep, probably. Yeah. Wait, Twitter still exists? I know, right? I, I'm hardly <laughs> on it. I think Facebook has made an official comeback. It has. Yeah. It's because it's because we are knocking on the door of being middle-aged, and we're using Facebook. I just think there's more... I can get on Facebook and like look at stuff and not have to look at other people's <laughs> posts. <laughs> right. Twitter is what other people want to post. Like there's other things to do on Facebook, right? Like look at true. golf clubs. I'm not going to buy. We can stalk people. There's but, more things to stalk. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I don't really. If I think if I had a Facebook account and I had zero friends, I'd be content with what's on my face because I don't look at like, what people post. I gotcha. go like to marketplace or the videos. That or, makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So ice cream flavors. Yeah, yeah. We uh, chase that right. Okay. Here's my top three, real quick. Um, number three, and I feel like maybe I've, uh, this doesn't count, but like, just like good vanilla ice cream. Yeah. Right. Like when you have good vanilla ice cream, man, it's really like a homemade good. vanilla ice cream. You know, I'm not a big homemade ice cream fan. Like, there's wow. some good homemade ice cream out there, um, but everyone's like, my homemade ice cream is really good. I'm like, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, 
Um, but there is some really good homemade ice cream. But no, uh-huh. just like vanilla ice cream. Some good. Like yep. Costco has some really good vanilla ice cream. Okay. Number two is anything that's like coffee flavor. Um, okay. I like cappuccino and chunky chocolate from Brahms, but the chocolate, I mean, it's in the name, but it's a little too chunky for me. It's like hard. Um, but like just usually like there's other ice cream places. Like if they have something that's coffee, um, then it's uh, it's usually really good. There's a place in, um, I think it's called Boomtown Creamery. And OKC, some really mm. good coffee ice cream. Jenny's, which is like bushy ice cream, but like yeah. really good coffee ice cream. Um, but I think the best ice cream there is is chocolate chip cookie dough. Like to me, it's. I mean, is there a specific place that you think has the best chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream? You know, probably. I mean, there's some like nice places, but like Brahms, like what what is so good about Brahms is the uh, it's so cheap. For the mm-hmm. ice cream you get, it's great quality. Now, I'll be honest, I'm not a big fan of like getting vanilla ice cream and adding cookie dough into it. Like, right. it's got to like be pre cookie dough already yeah. for me. Right. Yeah. Yep. Good word. Good word. So now everyone turns off the podcast because that's why they come every week to hear. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so thanks for tuning into the podcast. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> well, actually, there's a whole lot more to the podcast today. So, you wrapped up your last sermon in the book of Ezra and you're in Ezra chapter eight. Next week, we're going to be finishing up uh, the book of Ezra and Scott's going to preach through Ezra nine and 10. Uh, but can you tell us a little bit about what, can you give us the spark notes version of your sermon and what's going on in Ezra chapter eight? Yeah. So Ezra seven through 10 is the, takes place 80 years after Ezra one through six. And uh, Ezra returns back to Jerusalem chapter seven. We saw that, he gets permission to go back. We see his character, but eight is really the actual return, and mostly it's them preparing to return. Um, so they get the vessels, they gather Levites together, and then uh, they return, arrive in Jerusalem, offer sacrifices because of God's good hand was upon them, and then that's it. Yeah. Um, it, one of the first things you kind of talked about was was discipleship. Uh, in in this uh, sermon, and you you talked about um, how sometimes we are reluctant to uh, begin a discipleship relationship because we feel like we have to be one step ahead of somebody uh, in their walk of Christ in all aspects of that their walk with Christ. Um, can can you talk about why this isn't necessarily important to be one step ahead of in every aspect of our walks to disciple somebody? Yeah, because um, we're not going to be. I mm-hmm. think is essentially what it is. I mean, obviously Jesus is is that way, and you know, typically whenever you are discipling someone, like overall you are one step ahead in your walk with the Lord than the person you're discipling. But it's it's not going to be that way in every area because because none of us are Jesus, we're still going to have sin within us, and there. Um, there's going to be blind spots in our lives. Like, in fact, what I often notice is that whenever one person is discipling someone else, uh, the disciplee, they often imitate those same blind spots. Um, mm-hmm. But the same struggles, maybe it's arrogance, maybe it w- whatever it might be, like they they hold those same problems. But going back to your actual question, you know, if we think that we've, 
always got to be um, better in every area. One, we kind of will struggle with the, the um, sin of comparison, you know, always mm-hmm. looking for someone that we're better than. Uh, but two, we're going to realize that we're not, and we're going to see that it, like we'll, we'll become insecure in our discipleship. And I'm not going to want to disciple someone if at any point in that I feel like I'm not very good. Mm-hmm. at this but if we recognize that hey i'm still growing i still have things to learn and we even communicate that that hey i'm not perfect and as i disciple you i'm going to learn some things i'm going to grow i'm going to change i think it really creates healthy relationships and i think the ultimate goal in that disciple relationship is kind of to get to a good spiritual friendship that even though someone even may be like 20 years older than me and they're discipling me like to see them as a friend, I think is a, is a benefit. Absolutely. Um, so we kind of talked, we spent some time talking about, um, the fact that the Levites, uh, decided to stay and not go, uh, to Jerusalem. And we don't necessarily know why they stayed, you know, for sure. But, you know, we kind of talked about how it was most likely, uh, because that you know they didn't have anything for them in Jerusalem. There was nothing for them in Jerusalem, and they had everything that they needed in exile. Um, and you kind of talked about. I'm going a little bit out of order, but I think they all are connected. Um, but you talked about how oftentimes we are trying to be somebody in the kingdom of God. Um, what do you mean by that, and why is that unhealthy? Yeah. So that that the the being somebody kind of goes back to my first point talking about how God prepares us through families and um, the the families that he lists, while I emphasize the importance of who they are, at the end of the day, they're a bunch of nobodies. And at the end of the day, whenever Jesus Christ returns, every knee is going to bow before Jesus. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. Um, there's not going to be this like hierarchy of individuals within the church like we're as as much as it sounds good and we maybe do have a lot of questions but like we're not going to show up in heaven ready to talk to the apostle paul we're not going to get to heaven looking forward to talking with ezra and asking ezra hey what what was it like you know reforming the people and they didn't respond very well and you realize all the sin like when we get to heaven it's going to be about seeing Jesus. But I think what we tend to do is we want to, on this side of heaven, kind of make a name for ourselves. And, you know, one thing I was thinking about as I was writing this sermon was how well this relates to pastors. And I think Ezra kind of gives us this model to imitate. But thinking about maybe lay people, people who aren't pastors, I think even within the church or our lives, like we're trying to be someone of. Of, of, of great status, right? Like we want to be that family in the church that's known for godliness. We want to kind of maintain this reputation, but I think what we find ourselves doing is seeking a platform and a position that because we've centered it around ourselves, um, we can miss out on the blessings of the Lord. But when we embrace mm-hmm. being a nobody, embrace serving behind the scenes, just embrace discipling the people in my class, being a part of my community group, my small group, when we just embrace the little things, that's when we really begin to see God bless us and use us for big things in his kingdom. What's uh, what's one of the biggest lessons we can take away from 
seeing the Levites make the decision to um, stay in uh, exile rather than uh, to initially stay in exile rather than uh, return to Jerusalem. Um, you know, one thing I think about right off the bat is the Levites weren't expecting to return anytime soon, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think, you know, 80 years prior to that moment, the Israelites had returned. Um, some had stayed, most had stayed in Babylon. And these Levites are descendants of those who had stayed. And they're probably not thinking like, oh yeah, we're going to go back one day. And even whenever the king made his decree, they're like, yeah, I bet some people will go back. But they're not thinking so much of themselves. And I think about for us, like, we we get so so comfortable in what we're doing with our lives and... Um, that, that we almost just say, hey, you know, like, I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to allow my comfort to determine the direction of, of my life. I think mm-hmm. what's what's hard for adults, especially the older we get, is that God may call us to do something else, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, imagine being in your 40s and you have multiple kids, uh, kids who are... Um, in high school even, and then God begins to lay on your heart that, hey, maybe missions is something that they need to do. Like, it's easy to say, God God would never call me to mm-hmm. overseas missions now. If God called me to overseas missions, he would have done it whenever I'm in my 20s before uh, I have kids and it's just me and my spouse. You know, we think that God would never call me in my 50s or 60s to lead a Sunday school class or to disciple someone much younger than me. Like if God would have done that, he would have done it sooner. And the Levites might be thinking like, if God really wanted us to go back, he would have called us back sooner. But what we do is we allow our comfort and what we're used to, um, to kind of hinder our ability to say yes to what God may be laying on our hearts. Mm, Yeah. Um, I want to point to one of the quotes that you had, uh, to one of the quotes that you said um, on Sunday morning, you said, when you trust the Lord, it will bring out your deepest insecurities. What is Ezra's response to the anxiety that he experiences preparing for the journey? And how is that related? How is that relatable to our own, uh, our own lives? Yeah. So Ezra is, he says no to, Having a, uh, I almost said police escort, but it's kind of the same idea, a military escort from Mm -hmm. Babylon to Jerusalem. And I've mentioned several times that it's a 900-mile journey over a four-month period. There's going to be bandits and robbers, pirates. I mean, just people coming to to attack the people, steal their money, and even cause bodily harm. And he says no to the uh, military escort because he wants the king to know that God is going to protect them. Um, And he doesn't want to fall into the trap of trusting the foreign armies and the foreign countries that Israel trusted in the past that eventually leads into their exile. Um, But what that does is because he is fully trusting the Lord, it kind of from an earthly perspective, puts them in a dangerous situation. And so Ezra doesn't, is fearful, obviously, that that the Lord, you know, not that God's going to abandon them, mm-hmm. but he, 
he can't forget about the idea that you know it's possible that we that, that we do get attacked. And I made the comment that when he prays for a safe journey, he's not necessarily praying for a hassle-free journey, right? Mm-hmm. He's just praying that if any hiccups come up, that God's going to provide a way through that difficult situation. And so, because he doesn't have a police or a military escort, and he's in earthly danger, I mean, he's a little anxious that that what if this doesn't work out? Like, what if I'm stepping out in faith and this isn't something the Lord's actually called me to do? Um, and so his response to that is to fast, and he the fasting isn't just some random item, but it's what they will need the most, food. Um, they're fasting from food because food's what you need, is what you need to be sustained as you travel. Because remember, they're not driving, they're not flying. I mean, this is a, you know, what? They're walking they most of course, um, and uh, and so this whole thing is just Ezra saying, "God, I depend upon you. I mm-hmm. trust upon trust on you." And I just imagine that they're walking through um, the wilderness on their way back, and they can see from the top or from the bottom, maybe a valley up on the mountain, and there's some bandits mm-hmm. just watching them, watching every move. And I'm sure at night. As they're sleeping, they'd wake up when they just heard a little thing wondering, who is that? What's going on? Is someone going to come and attack us? Right. Um, so just really trusting in the Lord to to provide. Yeah, that's good. Aaron, if you had two more minutes to uh, preach, how would you have spent them? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I skipped over in my sermon that I had in there um, each service was back on the discipleship. And uh, when it comes to discipling your family, there, there's really three components that um, are necessary for effective discipleship. One, there needs to be um, the the parent needs to maintain a personal relationship with the Lord. Number two, there needs to be spiritual conversations in the home. And number three, parents need to serve alongside their kids in the church. And really, what that is is kids need to see their parents walking with Jesus. Um, and I know the Lord is tells us in Matthew chapter 6, you know, when you pray, go into your room, don't pray for public praise. Um, and I don't think, you know, parents should, should uh, only read their Bible and their kids in the room. I think that's a sin. But there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, I want to position myself in a way where I am having an authentic relationship with God and studying God's Word. But I want to put myself in a place where my kids are going to watch me do that. And my kids are maybe even walking on me reading the Bible or praying. Um, and so, one, kids need to see it. Number two, they need to use their ears and their mouths in the conversation. So they need mm-hmm. to hear from their parents what their parents believe. And they need to talk about what they're learning at church. And then the third part is using their bodies to serve. And yeah. it's not just coming to church together and parents go one direction and students and kids go another direction although i'm not arguing for a fully integrated right style of family ministry um but there's value in when the parent is serving somewhere that student serves with them and i think that's why it's important for parents to be serving in the same ministry their kids are participating in right um it's if it's a service project hey i'm going to bring my kids with me so we can serve alongside one another. And maybe the kid isn't really at the level of serving and you may not get as much done if your kid serves, but maybe the goal isn't to complete the task, but it's just to serve alongside 
your right. kid, right? So yeah. that's what I would add if I could. Yep. Well, Aaron, thanks again for all of the time that you have spent in this interim time preparing uh, not only to uh, feed the church body, but also continuing to feed the student ministry at the same time. Um, we're thankful for that, and we're, we're thankful uh, for everything that you've done in this interim time. Uh, we're so excited about school and, and getting kicked back off and, and with it, all of the other uh, church activities that we have firing back up here at IBC. We'd love for you to join us in, in all of those things. You can find a list of events of what's going on here at IBC at ibcshawneeorg events. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.